Hello everyone and welcome back to the Toffee Blues podcast. Uh, you are listening to the first one in what's been quite a while and there's been a lot of happenings at Everton Football Club. Um, the last time we spoke, Frank Lampard was still the manager and obviously since then, quite swiftly, Sean Dyche came in and took the reins. Um, delighted to say I'm joined by Mike Richards from the Unholy Trinity podcast to discuss all the latest topics at the moment with the club. Um, so yeah, Mike, we'll just jump straight into it, mate, because there's a bit of ground to cover. Um, Lampard gone... Uh, Right decision, wasn't it, mate? He couldn't have stayed in that position any longer. It was it got untenable towards the end, didn't it? You know, results results are always going to dictate, aren't they? Um, and you know, we were always advocates of, of giving the manager time and and building and having stability. Uh, as time went on, you know, it's uh, when you think it was one win in fourteen games, didn't win since uh, no win since the twenty second of October, I think it was against Crystal Palace. You know, there wasn't much in that time to, that you'd probably look at and say, you know, there was a bright spot, but probably City away. It wasn't great. And unfortunately, you know, for, for Frank, it was um, it was, it was was probably time to go. People would argue he should have gone earlier. People would argue he should have gone post-Bournemouth, post-Wolves. There was, there was quite a few quite a few games there where really, unfeasibly, he, he could have gone. But um, yes, he had to go, unfortunately. Um, and and it's it's a shame, you know. A lot of us wanted it to work for him. He was a a personable manager. Uh, there was a link there with us fans, obviously, with what happened last year. Um, but unfortunately, that's football, and and results will always dictate. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So obviously, quite a quick quick turnaround. Talk of Marcelo Bielsa coming in. That that didn't happen. I don't think that was quite the right move at that at that time. But Sean Dyche is the man. Sean Dyche has came in now. Um, for you, was that the right decision, or would you have liked to see them go in a different direction? Because, in my opinion, I think this was the most, the most pragmatic and sensible move in the position that we were in. I think you should look correctly there. You know, it was it was sensible. It was the, the right move for the right man at the right time. Um, you know, if you if you're looking to build build a philosophy uh, and a foundation and a structure, you know, he's probably not your man in terms of where you want to go. Let, let, let's be brutally honest, and that, that's not me sitting here being trying to be derogatory towards him. He says it himself. He's very, very sort of marmite as a manager, as a man. Um, you know, it was probably a 50-50 split in terms of people wanting Sean Dyche or, or Bielsa, but he was certainly sensible to appoint him at this point of the season, given his experience with Burnley. Uh, he's been in similar situations before with them. Um, he's operated with with a, a shoestring budget for, for a lot of those years as well, and obviously coming to us at that time. There wasn't a great deal of money to spend, especially prior to Anthony Gordon uh, leaving the club. There, there should have then been some money for him to spend before the window closed, but that, that's another matter. Uh, but it made it made sense. You know, I think most Evertonians can understand why he's been appointed. Uh, and the hope is obviously that he, he can he can bring enough experience, expertise and knowledge to, to the club to, to get us through to, to the end of the season. Obviously, make sure we stay in the Premier League. You mentioned that Sean Dyche has worked on a shoestring budget many many a time before in his managerial career at Burnley. Um, obviously, he came in. Um, we sold Anthony Gordon um, and we went into that transfer deadline day or the last 48 hours or so and obviously, we'd still not signed any players. Uh, we sold Anthony Gordon to Newcastle for the about £40, £45 million pounds, and we all know 
the disappointments of not being able to bring anyone in, especially in those forward positions. And it, it's very easy to sit here and, and, you know, I'm not trying to sound too negative, but it's always easy to do a record or a video on the back of a win and sounding upbeat. But, you know, we, we've got to remain realistic here. It, it was very disappointing that they weren't able to get anyone through the door, Mike, wasn't it? We all know that the, the, the Dan Juma thing, okay, that's just, that's just one of them, unfortunately. Um, it looked like that was all but done before, you know, Dan Juma had us off essentially. So, but what was your sort of take on, on the whole final days of the transfer window? Did you think we'd maybe at least get one person in? A hundred percent. I mean, it it was unforgivable, really. If you you know, looking at looking at the situation that we find ourselves in, uh, we've come out of the window in a worse position and with a bigger squad. Let let's understand that. Um, th- there's no way for me that Sean Dice wasn't told he could get at least one, if not two players through the door before the window closed. He knew he would have needed some bodies, especially in attacking areas. We've needed bodies in attacking areas since the season started. You know, we we, we brought in, obviously, like McNeil, Neil Mope. Um, but in terms of, obviously, getting someone who's similar to Dominic Calvert-Lewin, that should have happened in the summer. You know, it just doesn't make any kind of sense to me why that kind of profile of, of striker was not was not brought in ahead of a Neil Mope. Now, I know Mopey was nowhere near the top of, of the list. Uh, neither was Dwight McNeil. Uh, but, you know, to come out of this transfer window without a striker is unforgivable. And that is why, the, you know, the, the situation between fans and board, you know, that's another another string to, to our bow, so to speak, in terms of uh, why we're unhappy with the current situation. Because they can't look at that situation and say that, that, that we should have come out of the window in, in this current this current manner. Um, and we can, you know, I know Sean Dicey's probably been brief and, you know, he, he said he worked hard. I'm sure, listen, I'm sure he did, but it was a very scattergun approach, wasn't it? If you look at the names that were linked on that deadline day, I counted 17 or 18 different players, which is just, you know, from from defenders right through to centre forwards. It was yeah. just, you know, I, I think I even saw one put a goalkeeper from somewhere, which is just absolutely, you know, an incredible day. And then you sort of get halfway through the afternoon and you think, this is going nowhere, going absolutely nowhere. You know, couple of them, you know, the main targets that we, we were linked to um, going elsewhere and choosing the Premier League side. And he just thought, you know what, we're going to come out of this with, with no players. And, you, you know, the, the final rest, certainly for me, it shouldn't go away. Um, it should be separated. I've said it since on our podcast. It's got to be separate from, you know, from those 90 minutes during the game. Of course, it has. And it was. It was great against Arsenal. You know, fantastic. Um, but we, we can't forget it because we won a game of football it doesn't mean all our troubles are going to go away because one we're, we're nowhere near guaranteed survival in the Premier League that's the first the first stressing situation and two nothing's changed in terms of behind the scenes in terms of the board who makes up the board we hear about potential investments coming through that was that was the last sort of uh, 24 hours or so yet again um, if it comes off then you know fantastic because it means that they have to get a couple of people on the board but you know things have got to change and, and we can't forget what, what we're what we're currently fighting for as well off the pitch yeah absolutely you know before we delve into the deep you know the, the game itself just that that Arsenal game obviously coming away with three points it's fantastic it's brilliant and all this and it's the first win in, in so long but I think you're spot on and when you say you know the, the pressure just can't can't be sort of relieved a little bit you know we've still got to maintain that for too long now, we've we've been we've been served up to us by this club, and that can easily be forgotten. You know, don't don't sound too negative, but you know that's that's where we are. That's the way it is. And you know, the the thing that worries me is that people are 
we beat Arsenal and albeit we deserve to beat Arsenal. It was probably our best performance of the season, in my opinion. But I'm, I'm seeing I'm seeing people not get too like getting a bit carried away and stuff and saying like, oh, this is it now. This is you know, Deitch's blues and all this. And I appreciate that it's it's great and all this. We beat the league leaders and it's our first win in a while, but we need to really stay grounded, I think. I think all it was a fantastic result, of course it was, and it's it's a perfect start in many ways, but it's important that we take things a game at a time, Mike, isn't it? Because I think it, it's always easy to come and discuss Everton on the back of a win. Of course it is, but we can't forget where we are. It, it's un, it's still unforgivable as as it is right now, but it is all about just taking it a game at a time and not being too carried away. What do you reckon? The, the, the saying that, that came up on our show at the weekend after the Arsenal game was one swallow doesn't make a summer. And it's very, very, that's very apt. Like it's one game. It is one game, and it was as you say, it was it was brilliant to see Goodison Park the way that it was. The atmosphere was was tremendous. The performance was very very good. There was definitely a structure. There was a plan. The players have bought into it. Obviously, a combination of of fresh ideas and new manager bounce probably combined is what's got us through. You know, the the running stats speak for themselves. You know, to, to have a player like the Corey coming out of the cold. He, he was he was ostracised obviously under the previous manager for whatever reason that was coming and and, and lead the running stats in the way that he did it was exceptional uh, loads and loads of positives don't you know let's, let's not misunderstand what we're trying to say here it was it was great and as fans we deserve that yeah we, you know we, we've had such a poor time of things mm. over the last you know three months or so we we deserved to 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 bask in that victory enjoy it. Um, what's the highlights? What's the goals? What's the, what's the tunnel access? All those things, you, you know. Of course, you think you want to enjoy the win, but we've got to keep ourselves grounded and remember, gets no easier. We we, we go to, to to the dreaded Anfield on Monday. Mm. Uh, we've got sides in and around us coming up as well. But you know, really, really important. What it's given us is hope, and yeah. that's the that's the key thing. That's all. That's that's that, that's the takeaway from me is that we've we're all saying sort of you know, when Lampard went and we were looking for a manager. Whoever they bring in, I just can't see us get out of, the, of, of this relegation scrap. What it's done is people think, you know what? You can see what he's done in sort of five or six days, a manager. If you can do that in five or six days, what can you do in five months? And it's, it's, it's a valid point. But it's just gives us a little bit of hope that, you know what? We can get ourselves out of this. The players have shown that they are up for the fight. Uh, the question is always why weren't they under the previous manager? But obviously... Things go things go on and, and things happen, but yeah, hope hope is the is the key word there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with what you've just said. You know, I think I think back to that West Ham game, um, which was obviously turned out to be Lampard's final final time in the dugout, and there was such a feeling of um, resignation. You know, everyone was despondent. There was there was at that time there was no other outcome than relegation. It felt like, but you know, coming out of Goodison Park on on Saturday, it was it was such a there was a feeling of, you know what, we can do this and these players are capable and they can do it and they can work hard. And like you said, that they look like they were up for a fight. And if that's if that's the direction we're heading under Sean Dice, then absolutely we've got every chance of surviving. We've got every chance of getting out of this mess. Um, I just want to touch on a couple of players now. You mentioned one there. I think Abdullah Decore is one who I think a lot of people are probably surprised that he's still here, actually. He was quite t- tipped to leave um, in the January transfer window. You know, potential suitors in Fulham, Nottingham Forest. Uh, potentially going into Europe and, you know, straight away out the cold into the starting 11. And, you know, that was the best Abdullah Decore performance I've seen for a while since probably under the Ancelotti era, to be honest. Um, it, it was very much like when we first got him in during that COVID season. So 
how, how impressed were you with Decore's performance? As you say, coming at, coming out from the cold, it was just um, a bit unexpected and and a, and a really welcome return in many ways, wasn't it? Like you say, you know, when uh, we were close to the close to the ground, I think we got out of the car. We were just walking down Neverton Valley, and the team news uh, came up, and no one was more surprised than me to see him in the in the start eleven. Um, especially like we said earlier on, the fact that he was frozen out, he was told to go and train on his own. Um, it, it appeared he had a full up with, with Frank, Frank Lampard, uh, and as I said, Gallagher was involved, and that, you know there was, there was a few things going on, but uh, you know massively surprised. Um, I was thinking about you know we were all thinking it's going to be a four four two. We were all thinking four four two. Where Mopey might get the nod with Dom, maybe he played great off, off Dom as you know as ju- just behind him. Uh, obviously, it came out that the Mike hadn't seen the you know the, the week of the game. So to see him come in, um, obviously you starting with with a really athletic Amadou Nana who obviously was exceptional on the day. Mm. I thought it was just a guy against best performance since he's come back to the club as well. Yeah. You know, he, he's, he's in the midfield there with, you know, experience with just a guy again, but also loads of talent in Amadou Nana And I think it complemented him, the fact that Ghana just sat. I mean, if you look at his average position uh, during the game, it was actually online with James Tarkowski. So that shows you how deep he was sitting. And that was allowing the two of the lads, Onana and DeCorey, to go hunting. So when, when they were meant to and it wasn't just the you know pressing for pressing sake they pressed at the right time and they were both going um and it suits his game you know you don't want to be giving him much defensive responsibility Garner and, and Onana more so can take care of that Onana's great in the tackle you know we saw that yeah. on the edge of his own box for slide tackle ball gets him back to him he does a little uh filet pirouette and he's and he's yeah. away you know and he's got that in his lock at the core right just let him, just let him be free in that midfield. Um, and he, you know, he's he's shown the minds of what he's all about. And for him, it was probably uh, refreshing that obviously he was going through a difficult time with the previous manager. Uh, so for a new man to come in and get told, listen, you've, you've got a clean slate. We're all starting again. It's it's the reset button. And he thinks, you know what, I, I can show you what I can do. And I'm fair play to him. You know, if you look at that side that started the, the game against Arsenal, assuming that Dom is fit and, and they all get through this week. That should be the side that starts against Liverpool on Monday as well. Yeah, I completely agree. So just going forward now, obviously we've seen the, the turnaround in the space of a few days that Sean Dyche has been there. You know, you talk about individual performances. It just again, again, it seems that he was back to his best. I'd like to call it back to his best. Um, you know, I'll do O'Nara as well. He was just absolutely fantastic in that game. So going forward, do you think Sean Dyche can really start tapping into some of these players and playing to their potential? Because like you say, you look at players like you know, a, a Decore, a Ghana, Gail Nana, these are players who really work hard and probably players who a manager like Sean Dyche can really get get the most out of where perhaps a Frank Lampard, you know, with all due respect, maybe couldn't. So do you think maybe that's something else that we can look forward to under Dyche? I think I think his, his experience speaks for itself, really, and that, that's what will probably separate him from Frank Lampard in a way. Uh, like I say, he's been there, he's done that. We've already heard stories about him telling Amadou and Nana or Lincoln and uh, O'Neill up with, with Stefan Defoe, who he had at Burnley, you know, quality footballer. You know, he came to Burnley a bit late, I suppose, in his career, but on his day, you know, really, really talented footballer. And the idea with that is is to teach him to do the dirty side of, of the game as well. You know, he, he knows how talented O'Neill is, but says, listen, you need to learn the other side of the game. And, you know, I think little things like that, uh, the players should be receptive to. Uh, they certainly don't know it all. And, and these younger lads, you know, O'Neill, you know, he's 21 years of age. Let, let, let's understand that he, he hasn't played much football 
he had not played much football in his career. Didn't play much uh, at Lille at all. Um, and people think, obviously, it would come in hefty price tag for a kid of his age. Uh, but he's going to hit the ground running. And it's taken him until around about probably Man City, Man United away in the cup. Mm. And we really started to see him perform because we were seeing him in bits where we little snippets. Yeah, some and thought, you know, we, yeah, but I, I think sort of at the back end of Lampard's tenure, besides obviously the West Ham game, really, you started to see him doing that and come, come to the fore and come into his own. And it was always going to take time because of the age of him coming into the most difficult league, league in the world. But, you know, I said it, I said it the other day, I still think that this squad on paper is better than our squad last season. The big loss is Richie Allison, of course. But other, you know, attacking wise, we're probably worse off. But other parts of the pitch were better. We're yeah. better than we were last season. So there's no reason why this squad can't kick on and can't go on a bit of a run and we can't pull ourselves clear. It was just that he needs to have the belief that he can do it. And and Saturday against Arsenal hopefully gives him some kind of belief that, you know what, when we do set up in this way, we all know our jobs, we all know our roles. And we, we beat the best side in the country. That's what Arsenal are. Arsenal yeah. have been beaten once all season, which was September, against Manchester United. You know, they, they've played other sides, other top sides. The only other side who stopped them scoring was Newcastle so far this season. And they, they're in, obviously in fantastic form. So it shows you how good a performance that was. So they should take great confidence from beating the side, which for me is still going to win the Premier League this season anyway. Absolutely, you know, that, that's it. And it's all about the confidence that we can take from it. You know, I, I, going into the game against Arsenal, you know, people saying, oh, what do you reckon, what do you reckon? A lot, a lot of talk about new manager bounce and all this, but my answer was sort of, oh, anyone but Arsenal, because they were just that good at the time. You know, they were just, and they still are good, of course they are, but they're just in that rich of a vein of form and they're just blowing teams away week after week. I just wanted to play anyone but them. I mean, I probably would have think we had the chance, but to, like you said, to go away and, uh, and beat them and beat them, I don't want to say comfortably, but you know, we 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 never looked that shaky or ropey at any point in the game, which which is really, really good to see. And going back to what I said before, it's all about confidence going forward. And obviously, we've got a massive game on Monday night, which we'll come on to in a second. But just before we move on, obviously, we mentioned Amadou Onana there, really starting to come into his own now. There was a there was a lot of not a lot of talk, but there was a couple of couple of whisperings that maybe some of the bigger sides were in for him and this is listen this isn't going to go away by the way the, the better he gets the louder this noise is going to get and hopefully his price tag does as well for our sake but he's staying we all saw that he put you know on social media he's been quite vocal in his you know that he's up for the fight he wants to stay listen whether he whether he's here next season that'll take care of itself or worry about that at the time but right now he's, he's an integral part of this Everton side but it feels very much like since Richarlison left Evertonians, we've always wanted someone to to really look to and and you know connect with and all and all that. There always seems to be that one player in an Everton side that we've been able to really connect with, and maybe a bit of that was lost in the earlier parts of the season. And you know, with Richarlison leaving, so Amadou Onana, he's he's a fan's favourite now. You know, there's no doubt about that. I think with the way. With a lot said about footballers, you know, with the whole Dan Juma thing, you know, the way Anthony Gordon left the club. But for Onana to come out and say, no, I'm staying, I'm an Everton player and I want to I want to fight with the badge, it's, um, it's everything that an Evertonian wants to hear and it's only going to do him the world of good for the fans between now and the end of the season, isn't it? Yeah, you know, listen, he's he's played himself into into that fan favourite uh, mode, um, mode almost and, and players, uh, sorry, and fans look at him and, you know, Bear in mind, it was only a few weeks back when he was trying to G the crowd up. People give him a little bit of stick. But yeah, that's him. Course. You know, he, he he likes to express himself. He he likes to get the fans on the side. 
he's, he's eager to please, of course he is, you know, but he's a character. He, he, I, he comes across as really clever, really bright, you know, speaks numerous languages. Uh, he's a very good footballer, of course, but, you know, this 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 kid speaks speaks very, very well, has bought into to, to the club and what the fans are all about. He probably understands, listen, we're looking for somebody, looking for somebody, like you say, like Richardson in, in, in that kind of role, um, because you look you look at that side and you know I was thinking about what I grew up and and the side that I grew up with even sort of through the nineties and obviously David Moyes years and things like that and there was loads of players wasn't it you, you, you'd you'd say you know you go to the park and you'd and you'd, you'd scream yeah. their name you know what I mean you, you'd, you'd want to emulate certain players absolutely and you look and you look at the squad now and you think well. If, you, if, you, if I was a kid now, who would I look up to? You know, yeah. Andy Gordon had a bit of a following from the kids, obviously since gone. But you, you look at the other players, and with, with all due respect, you know, when we talk about characters, mm. there isn't really anyone that, that stands out. But then, oh, nah, as, as obviously the, the season's going on, and as I say, performances from him have been improving. He's he's the one now that I think a lot, a lot of kids will, will look to, look to emulate, and he's the one, he, he'd be the shirt seller. But, like you say, you know, the end of the season, who knows? Because these links in the summer, um, sorry, in the January transfer window, they, they didn't come from, from just from nowhere. There was definitely interest there from Chelsea, from Arsenal. Um, and this this kid, you know, is the world's is oyster because he can go on and do and do great things. And unfortunately for us, the chances are that will be away from, from us. Um, whether he's here for you know next season, all depends what happens with us, of course. But I think regardless of our situation in the summer, there's going to be some big, big offers coming for him. There really is, in my opinion. I think I think there's going to be a lot of interest in him. Um, and Everton, you know, will quite easily probably double the money on him if they sold him in the summer. Uh, if he obviously his form stays as as it currently is, all lives and buts. But yeah, this he's, he's got bags of talents. The, the attributes are, you know, the the try for the modern game. You know, everyone wants a midfielder. Like like a Yaya Toure type. That's what yeah. he reminds me of. You know, he's kind of all big, long legs. You know, bring goals into his game. Of course, loads of time to develop. But that kind of character. You know, look look at Vieira in terms of again, but different to Yaya Toure. Those kind of attributes, the big, long legs, can carry the ball, loves a tackle. That that's what he reminds me of. He's, he's got it all, the kid. And it's just a shame, unfortunately. I think that we won't see his his best years, but he, he will do. He'll do big things. This is it, isn't it? You know, Amadou Nana, he's the the talk in January, it's a sign of things to come. And the better he gets, teams are gonna come in for him. The bit the big boys are gonna come in for him. Let's have it right. And and you know what? Everton probably are gonna make the money on him. But have having said that, how many times have we sat here in the past and 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 you know had conversations about you know looking at teams like Brighton and Leicester in years gone by who have pinched young talents from Europe and then doubled the money on them. So in that sense, you almost like you don't really have too much of a too much of an issue with it because if he comes, does a job for Everton, makes a name for himself, Everton doubled the money, then you know this is the sort of you know you've got to give credit where credit's due. This is the sort of strategy and way of doing things that we've been crying out for for years now. So you know what, we'll, like I said, we'll worry about the summer when the summer comes because there's an awful lot of work to do between now again and then. But um, yeah, Amadonana, as of right now, he's a uh, he seems to really really start to pick up in his Everton career. Um, just before we start to finish, obviously, um, there's the small matter of the Merseyside derby on Monday night. Um, not a very happy hunting ground for the Blues, as we all know. Um. We all know their situation right now. Um, this is what kind of worries me that you know they're 
there's a lot of spotlight on them at the minute about how they are un- underperforming. Um, and that worries me in a way because it's almost like if the sh- if the shoe was on the other foot in a sort of way, a big game was coming up under the lights at Goodison, you'd, ex- you'd expect it for, if it was our club to really start to turn up for a big game with this magnitude. So what, what are your thoughts heading into the Derby Monday night? Because they're obviously we all know that they're not as good as they have been in the past, still full of quality players. Let's have it right. We ju- we know that it's full of you know players that can really hurt us, but we can take a lot of confidence from beating the best team in the land. Um, and we've just got to go and, and just put in a hard work and performance and see if we can come out the other end. All we can do is, is concern ourselves with what we did. You know, what, what Liverpool do is what Liverpool do. And on any given day, if Liverpool turn it on, then they'd be any side in the Premier League. Whether you know they're informed, not informed, they've got the players who can who can hurt you. And you know, if you look at the the players that obviously in the second position, Salah is still a quality, quality footballer. Gakpo was being bought brought in for big money, hasn't scored yet. You know what's going to happen on Monday night. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Nunes, you know, he he's missing the, the most the most big chances from any player throughout the whole season. But again, he's he's a talented kid, and at some point it'll click for him. That's, you know, Liverpool don't tend, to be honest with you, they, they tend to do okay in the transfer market. They don't spend big money on players and it not really work out. There's been a few over the years, but not many, I'd say, sort of recently. And and Nunes will do all right for them, I think. But, you know, we've got to see, got to see hope in there from the fact that we beat Arsenal um, and the fact that we show that we can compete with the best sides in the league. And Liverpool are struggling, of course they are. And, you know when they're struggling because Clough loses his head in press conferences and he started to do that already, you know, when he won't answer certain questions from, from James Pearce, for example. Um, so with the, the pressure's getting to him. Liverpool are massively underperforming. I'm sure, you know, they, they, their owners and board would, would want them to be certainly within the in the Champions League places at this moment in time and, and they're nowhere near. Let's get the, the mid-table and we shouldn't be going there with any kind of fear. I think if we hadn't beaten Arsenal or hadn't put in that kind of shift, maybe if Frank was still with us, I don't think we'd, think we'd be going to Anfield feeling uh, as optimistic as we, as we currently are. But like we said, let, let, maybe we need to just temper our expectations a little bit and remember the fact that, you know, Liverpool are, are a quality side. Um, and they can, you know, they can, if they want to turn it on, they, they can turn it on. If it clicks, it clicks. And, you know, it's, it's Monday night under the lights at Anfield. I'm sure it'll be a raucous atmosphere. Um, but Everton, Everton, as I say, they, they show what they can do a few days ago, and, and that's fresh in, in our minds as fans now. And we shouldn't be going there with any kind of fear. Certainly not. We can hurt them massively. They, they, you know, at the back, that's the weakest weakest part of the team. The, the, the defense is poor. Let, let's get it right. You know, I know we can have, you've got you've got decent fullbacks, but Alexander Arnold doesn't defend particularly well. Um, obviously Van Dijk, I don't think he's going to make the game. Massive look, look, looks horrendous. Uh, Gomez played the other day against Wolves. They're, they're, they're lacking a lot there at the back. You know, is a Cunarte and Van Dijk are the two that they would want there. Neither should be playing on Monday. So we've, we've got to take a lot of a uh, lot of confidence in there. In there. But is Dom going to be fit potentially? If he's not, it's a struggle because you know when when we're going long, when Dom went off, the quality dropped a little bit. Um, Onana was sort of dropping into time when the Edders uh, McNeil, McNeil uh, Mopey did okay but obviously he's only, he's only short isn't he so difficult when you want to go long and Sean Dice will be wanting Jordan Pickford to be sending those balls long as well so 
Um, all depends, obviously, how Don comes through this week. Although it's not, there's no no injury there really, no severe injury. It's how he gets through this this week's this week's training. But confidence has got to be there, and we've got to believe. You know, we've got to believe that we can get our get us something from the game, whether it's a point, whether it's three points. You know, we've got to believe that we can do it because if, if the players don't, then we get turned over. But Sean Dice, I'm sure from from what I've seen in the first ten days or so in his tenure, and what I saw at Goodison Park at the weekend. I've got full belief that those players will be ready for the battle on Monday. That's what it's all about, and it's about being ready for the battle. And I completely agree. You know, Sean Dice, you, you have a, an awful lot more confidence than if it was Frank Lampard in the dugout. But you know what? Even if we go there and we, and we come away with the points, if you you know you you look at Arsenal and Liverpool and you come away with four points out of them games, you you would have snapped someone's hand off for that going into into those games, wouldn't you? And then you know on the other side of that. You know, post Monday night, we then we then back at Goodison for a couple of back to back games. Well, I don't think it's back to back now because the Arsenal game's been rearranged um, at the Emirates. But you know what I'm trying to say. You know, you start you start looking again where you can start building on that and picking up even more points. Then so, but yeah, it's going to be a really difficult one. It always is going to Anfield. It's the derby. No one likes the derby. Um, you know, form goes out the window and all that. But um, at the end of the day, it's a game of football for ninety minutes. Um, and against a side who who are obviously full of quality, not really at the races at the moment, but, you know, you could argue neither are we in, in, you know, Arsenal game aside, but what will be, will be. The derby will take care of itself, I'm sure it will. Um, You know, I'd be more than happy with with a classic Merseyside derby, nil-nil, but we'll we'll see on that one. But like I said, if we come away with a point, then that's four points against Arsenal-Liverpool, and that's fantastic, given, you know, how how dire things looked a couple of weeks ago. but if we can somehow come away with the win, then I'm sure we'll all just be in Zealand and then we'll we'll be <laughs> plotting some kind of charge for the Champions League then. But <laughs> apart from that, we'll uh, we'll leave it there. Um so yeah, big thanks to Mike for jumping on the podcast. Uh, this podcast is available wherever you get your normal podcast from. This will also be available to watch back on YouTube as well. And also be sure to check out the Unholy Trinity podcast for some great content as well. But uh yeah, we'll just leave it there. So thanks very much for listening and we'll speak to you next time on the Toffee Blues podcasts. Cheers. See you later.